Good morning. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Some of you may have noticed, some of you may not. I actually haven't been up here for four weeks. I just uh, returned. (laughs) I just returned from four weeks of spiritual renewal leave. And I just want to say how grateful I am to serve a church that values the health of the souls of their pastors. Built into the pattern of of our life um, here as your pastors is that we are supposed to take one day a week to care for our souls, one week a year, and one month every four years. It's hard to make time to take care of your soul, isn't it? It takes, it takes time and effort. So uh, we haven't managed to do that month every four years on a, a super regular basis, but this year, um, both Pastor Bill and I have carved out some time to do that. He'll be doing that in August. I spent my four weeks uh, doing things that really filled up my soul again. You know, I think one of the particular temptations for pastors is that we can easily fall into this habit of relating to God on a professional basis, you know what I mean, instead of a personal basis. Or when I read my Bible, it's tempting to hear God speak and say, wow, people need to hear this, (laughs) instead of, I need to hear this. So spiritual renewal leave is designed to help us just kind of reconnect with God as a child of God, and and it really did that for me. I traveled um, to some sacred places and special places for me and my family. I worshiped in several different communities in three different languages and uh, got to sing some wonderful songs of the faith with people that I couldn't even speak their language. Um, I walked and walked and walked out in the creation that God has made and filled my heart again with how much Jesus loves me. So I just wanna thank you for that opportunity and say praise God, his love is Wonderful, and I come back feeling renewed and refreshed and more grounded in what it means to be a beloved child of God. It's a great, a great gift, so thank you for that. One more thing before uh, we read our scripture today. All of you, if you are on our mailing list, have received some communication about some staff transitions that have happened or are recently happening. And we recognize that there may be some concern about that and also that simply change of this kind can be really difficult. We also understand that at times like this, there can be a tendency to want to speculate about the details. We really appreciate the opportunity that we've had to speak Uh, with some of you who have approached us with questions, and that's been really helpful. We recognize that some of you may have questions and uh, about the policies and the procedures that were followed, and we want to be as transparent as possible while we still respect and honor confidentiality. So all that to say, if you have questions, please give us the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. 
both Pastor Bill and I and the chair of our staff parish relations committee, Gerald Posey, are all happy to meet with you. We would love to do that. Our contact info is on the back of the bulletin. If you'd rather speak with Gerald, we can get you in touch with him. Just call us or send us an email if you would like to sit down um, with a, in a time with us. We would just love to be able to do that with you if you have questions or concerns. And we would just ask that everyone be in prayer for all involved and that we would continue to follow God and follow him into the future that he has for us together here at BPUMC. So let's pray together before we open our Bibles. I came across this prayer uh, on my spiritual renewal leave and it seemed like a good prayer for us today. Lord, you have always given bread for the coming day. And though I am poor, today I believe. Lord, you have always given strength for the coming day. And though I am weak, today I believe. Lord, you have always given peace for the coming day. And though anxious of heart, today I believe. Lord, you have always marked the road for the coming day. And though it may be hidden, today I believe. Lord, you have always lightened this darkness of mine. And though it be morning or night, today I believe. Lord, you have always spoken when time was ripe. Speak to us now, for today we believe. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles together. We have two scriptures today, one from Philippians and one from Mark. Let's start with Philippians. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but also take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And let's turn back a few pages to Mark chapter 10. Just a few little verses. Mark 10, verses 6 through 9. This is Jesus speaking here. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And since the two and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. When I grow up, declared a young boy, I want to marry you, mommy. Any of your kids ever say that to you, mom? I'm going to marry you, mommy. And his older sister said, you can't marry your own mother. And so the little boy said, well, then I'll marry you, he said to his sister. And she said, you you can't marry me either. He looked confused, so mom explained, you can't marry someone in your own family. You mean, he cried, I have to marry a total stranger? (laughs) He's actually kind of right, isn't he? (laughs) No matter how much you know about the person that you plan on marrying, really, how much do you really know? Really? In a sense, you are marrying a total stranger. We're in this series called The Knot, Strengthening Marriages, because strong and happy marriages don't just happen. They don't just happen without thought or effort. This series is for you, whether you are married or formerly married or hope to become married or hope never to become married Or if you know someone who's married, this series is for you. Hopefully this will will help uh, us all know how to strengthen that knot, that knot that binds together a husband and wife in marriage. It will equip you to be helpful to those that you love who are married. And a lot of this advice really applies to all relationships, not just the marriage relationship. There's all kinds of advice out there about how to have a happy marriage. There are shelves full of books, lots of advice. Comedian Henny Youngman once said, some people ask the secret of our long marriage. We take time to go to a restaurant two times a week, a little candlelight, dinner, soft music, and dancing. She goes on Tuesdays, I go on Fridays. There is all kinds of advice out there, good and bad, about how to have a happy marriage. We have been given a great gift. We have advice from the one who created marriage, the wisdom of the one who who set all this 
in motion. He has given us his wisdom to follow. So this week we're exploring God's wisdom on priorities. Has your spouse ever told you that he or she feels unimportant or unloved because you are involved in so many other pursuits that seem to captivate your time and attention? Have you ever heard someone express that about their spouse? Do the really important issues of life always seem to get sacrificed for things that really aren't as valuable? These questions are at the heart of one of the great struggles within any marriage. Simply stated, it's the issue of priorities. Keeping the most important people and things in the proper order in your life. That's something that we all deal with, no matter what our marital status is. The truth is, a happy marriage needs healthy priorities. You have to have healthy priorities to have a happy marriage. And when the priorities get out of order, things don't come out the way you want. Some of you have probably heard me say how much I like to cook. And in cooking, it's the same as in life. You gotta put things in in the proper order. And if you put them in in the wrong order, sometimes things don't come out the way you want. Don't add the sauce to the spaghetti before you dump the whole thing into the boiling water, right? It's not gonna come out the way you want. Or I found this one out once as a child. Don't put butter on the bread before you put it in the toaster. (laughs) Or you might have a fire on your hands. (laughs) It sounds like it would make nice, warm, melted butter, but it doesn't work that way. You gotta do it in the right order. When we don't keep things in the right order, when we get our priorities out of order, conflict results, unhappy, relationships result. If your priorities are out of whack, the people closest to you will feel the furthest from you because they will believe you care more about other things and other people than you do about them. A healthy marriage, a happy marriage needs healthy priorities and thankfully God has shared those with us. This passage from Philippians chapter 2 is all about priorities. He talks here, Paul does, about valuing other people above ourselves. He says again, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. To honor someone, to value someone, means to prioritize them above yourself, Paul says. The the message version puts it this way. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. That's pretty countercultural advice, isn't it? To value something is to consider it precious, to honor it. He says, value others above yourselves. Now, one thing he doesn't mean here is to become a doormat. And just as a sort of an aside, there may be 
some here this morning that this is not your struggle. Your struggle is not that you put yourself first, it's that you put everyone else first. You may be in an abusive relationship or marriage with someone who constantly tells you or shows you by their actions that you have no value. And if that is your situation this morning, I really want you to hear this. God values you. You are precious. You are precious beyond measure. This, this passage of scripture, value others above yourself, or any other passage of scripture, should never be used to justify the abuse or the devaluing of another person. So if you are in an abusive relationship, there is help. Get in touch with Pastor Bill or with me, and we would be happy to put you in touch with some help so you can find help in healing. All that said, our human nature usually makes it a challenge for us to put others above ourselves, to value others, to prioritize the needs of a spouse above our own. That's why marriage is such a good crucible for spiritual growth, because it, it pushes us to do things that we wouldn't normally do out of our own human nature. You might be familiar with Les and Leslie Parrott. They're a husband and wife team of psychologists, Christians, who write a lot about marriage. They have some really good, good resources on marriage. They call this struggle to value others above ourselves, subtle selfishness. In one of their books, Les Parrott shares an example of how they have wrestled with this in their own marriage. He talks about uh, a time when they're pulling into their driveway in their car, and his wife, Leslie, says to him, you're going to vacuum before they get here, right? Leslie asked in an anxious tone as we were pulling into the garage. I've got it under control, I murmured. We jumped out of the car. We each grabbed an armful of groceries and hurried toward the kitchen. I'll put the groceries away so you can get started on the vacuuming, Leslie said. The tension was rising because in less than an hour, two other couples would be at our doorstep expecting a dinner party. Don't forget to light the candles and turn on the music before they get here, Leslie hollered from the kitchen. I heard what she said, but I didn't reply as I walked into my study to look through some urgent mail. Only a couple minutes had passed, it seemed to me, when Leslie came to my study and asked in exasperation, what are you doing? Reading my mail, I said defensively, and with the best look of confusion I could put on my face. She didn't buy it. <laughs> Don't worry, I said. I'll take care of the other stuff. Leslie sighed and left the room. Five minutes later, I heard the sound of the vacuum running in the living room. I'm almost done with my mail, I said, and then I'll go help her. Ten minutes later, the vacuum cleaner stopped. I bolted from my chair and walked into the living room. I was going to do this, said Leslie. I, I thought I was going to do this, I said to Leslie. So did I, she replied. <laughs> We've all weaseled out of our spouse's to-do list at one time or another, haven't we? After all, we've worked hard, hard we're tired, we're busy, and we're preoccupied, whatever. However we defend it, 
subtle selfishness is deadly for couples. The parrots say that it lurks just beneath the surface whenever we're tired and whenever there's a household chore or an errand to be run. That's when we pretend we don't notice or we forget about the task, hoping our spouse might take it over if we don't have to. It's so easy, isn't it, to squirrel away time or money or energy for our own advantage. Someone once said, the most, the foremost important words for a successful marriage are this, I'll do the dishes. Would you say that's true, Pastor Bill? (laughs) Doing the dishes, I know. That's the problem with with subtle selfishness. It, It cuts out the heart of a marriage. Les Parrott says we can rationalize our selfishness all we want, but we're missing the point of partnership if we don't pitch in with a generous spirit and help our spouse with the task at hand. Franklin D. Roosevelt put it this way, self-interest is the enemy of all true affection. But God offers us a different path. He offers us a different path. He says to value others above ourselves. Someone once said, chains do not hold a marriage together. It is threads, hundreds of tiny threads, which sew people together through the years. God can be the weaver of those threads in our relationships. We can't do this on our own power, but God offers us the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? He sets this seemingly impossible task before us, but doesn't say, you have to try and do this. He says, I can make this happen in your life. This is a gift I want to give you. That is good news. God can enable us to live out healthy priorities in our lives. If you want a happy marriage, prioritize your spouse above yourself. Happy marriages need healthy priorities. Another way to live out this Philippians 2 passage with a spouse is this, to value someone above yourself, to put healthy priorities in your marriage. Don't just drift. Put your best effort into your marriage. It's easy when you've been married, especially for a long time, to kind of to stop putting your best effort into your marriage, to just drift. Some marriages are made in heaven, someone once said, but they all have to be maintained on earth. (laughs) And really often what that comes down to is time. Not just finding time wherever you might be able to find a little extra time, but really making time. There's a big difference between those two. Don't wait and try to find time for your marriage, make time. The parrots, Les and Leslie, say making time is about deciding what matters most and then organizing your life around that. Bill and I just celebrated 25 years of marriage this year. Yeah, I know. 25 years. 
I don't take that for granted. We got into a good habit early on, and I don't know exactly how. We sort of, by grace, I think, just fell into it, of making sure that we took at least an overnight away to celebrate our anniversary every year. And as our family grew from one baby to two to three, would you believe it was not very convenient to try <laughs> and leave three little kids and find a place where we could afford to go overnight? But almost every year, somehow, we've done it. It's probably never been convenient until last year when all three of our kids were at the fall campout at Mission Meadows all at once. <laughs> it took 25 years for that to happen. <laughs> but if we had waited for a year when we had enough money or when it was convenient, we would have waited for our 25th anniversary. But I think that, no, that, that special time away, at least once a year, has really helped our marriage to be strong through all these years. Don't just drift. Honoring, valuing each other means that once you've established your priorities, you have to protect them. Work is a good thing. Children are a good thing. Church is a good thing. But the things that destroy marriage are often not bad things, they're often good things put in the wrong priority. God wants to be first. He wants our marriages to be second. And then children and work and our family of faith. When we put things in their proper priorities, then everything can thrive. Marriage only works when it's right there below our relationship with God, right there near the top. If you want a happy marriage, make time to prioritize your spouse. Happy marriages need healthy priorities. Paul says in this passage in Philippians 2, to, ha to have the same mind that was in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our model for, for how to live, how to relate to each other, and he says to have that same mindset that was in Jesus Christ in our relationships with each other. Jesus, we know, had a relationship with his father, God, in which he put God first. He was directed by God and allowed God to fill him and direct him in everything that he did. Putting God first in our marriage relationships is one of the, the real keys to having a healthy marriage, to prioritizing that relationship with God. Do you remember those billboards that came out a few years ago? They were all black and had a white, white lettering on them and messages from God. There was one that said, loved the wedding, invite me to the marriage, God. Jesus laid out our priorities for us. Someone asked him once, what should be our highest priority? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're married, your spouse is your closest neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. You can kind of imagine marriage like a triangle. If it's the, the husband and the wife, and if God is at the center and the top, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. When we got married, my grandma Roth 
wrote us a beautiful card. I tried to find it last night so I could read it to you, and I, I must have put it in a really special place so I wouldn't lose it, because <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> but this is essentially what she said. She said that when she and my grandpa got married back in 1926, that, uh, no, 1920, um, that on their first night of marriage, my grandpa said to her as they were getting ready to to, uh, to go to sleep for the night. Shall we pray together? And that they started that pattern of, of praying together every night before they went to sleep. And she felt that that had really made a huge difference in the whole trajectory of their lives and of their marriage. I can remember as a kid visiting and seeing them kneeling next to the bed, holding hands and praying uh, and even when they got old and they lived in a nursing home together, they got the, the nurses to push their beds together so they could still hold hands <laughs> and pray together. Praying together in your marriage, putting God at the center is so important. If you don't know how to pray together, you can learn. You can start out very simple and slow. There's no right or wrong formula but having that same mind that was in Jesus Christ means, means putting God at the center. And finally, we have this passage from, from Jesus in which he talks about God's design for marriage and says that the two become one. He says here in Mark chapter 10, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Notice that Jesus says here that the pattern for marriage is to leave your father and mother. That can be a hard thing to do. Marriage is too crowded if you bring your parents with you. It's like trying to fit a whole family into a VW bug. It's just not going to work. No one's going to be comfortable. You cannot bring, Jesus says, your father and your mother and her father and her mother and the two of you and put you all into a marriage together. The two leave their parents, their families of origin, and become one flesh. This is one of the hardest tasks of those first few years of marriage, realigning your priorities so that the family that you love and that you've been part of your whole life essentially takes something of a backseat to your new relationship. They're still precious to you. They're still, they're still incredibly important in your life, but your first priority becomes your spouse. In the old King James Version, it would, Jesus says here that you leave your father and mother and cleave. You cleave to your spouse. Leaving and cleaving, it makes a nice rhyme. It means you've left your parents' household. You've established a new family such that your primary human loyalty is to no one over your spouse. Did you hear that? That your primary human loyalty is to no one over your spouse. If you are sharing your deepest 
hopes and dreams and thoughts and fears with others, but not with your spouse, then your marriage is too crowded. Women, your, your favorite group of girlfriends should not have more access to your hopes and dreams and thoughts than your spouse does. Guys, your hunting buddies should not have more access to what's really in your heart and mind than your wife does. Not your family of origin, not your children. A happy marriage needs healthy priorities. You want to have a happy marriage, prioritize unity with your spouse and your spouse alone. So we have been given a great gift a great gift in all the confusion about how to make marriage work. We've been given the offer of wisdom and help from the one who created marriage. Wisdom not just from the scripture, but actually the presence of God is offered to us. We don't just have to read about this and try to apply it ourselves, but God offers to come and live within us. If you have invited God to come and live in you, then you know what I'm talking about. If you have never done that, then why not do that today? We heard about it from that video with the Gideons. You can invite Jesus to, to dwell in you, and he will do this work of changing your heart, empowering you to love and making, make you good at, at, at loving your, your neighbor, your spouse, the people in your life. That is good news. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And he says that anyone who opens the door, he will gladly come in and make his home there. Let's... Let's make this a week when we invite God again into our lives. When we say to him, come in and organize my priorities for me and fill me with your power to love. That's good news. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your promise. Your promise that Health and love are possible. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the marriages in this room. Thank you for all that you will do. We pray for healing. We pray for health. We pray for life. In Jesus' name, amen.